<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. A 17-year-old out of Ohio charged with the murder of her boyfriend's mother. Allegedly, she gave him a deadline to commit the act himself, and when he didn't do it, she took matters into her own hands. Ohio attorney and retired judge Fanon Rucker comes on to talk about the legal issues in this new case. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Okay, let's go over to Toledo, Ohio, where a 17-year-old, 17, is charged with aggravated murder, murder, tampering with evidence, and abuse of a corpse in connection with the killing of her 33-year-old boyfriend's mother, Nicole Jones. And we have learned that she will now be tried as an adult. Now, here's where it really takes a turn. The defendant, Caitlin Coons, allegedly warned her boyfriend, Jonathan Jones, that he had five hours to kill his own mother because apparently she was getting in the way of their relationship. This is basically an ultimatum. And when he didn't do it, and she even gave him an extra hour to kill her, She ended up committing the murder herself. Let me bring in attorney, retired Ohio judge, Fanon Rocker, to talk about this. Judge, always good to see you. I say this so many times now. I always say to my guests, I I wish it was under better circumstances, but this is the case uh, that we're dealing with. So it's good to see you. Good to see you, Jesse. Let's start off with that she's been certified as an adult in this case. Can you walk us through what that process is, how tough it is to certify a juvenile as an adult? Sure. So uh, as we know, the the systems that we have, our criminal justice system, one juvenile, one adult, have different purposes. The purposes primarily of the adult system are rehabilitation and correction. Well, the juvenile system has as its primary purpose the rehabilitation, rebuilding. We say no kids to throw away. Well, in Ohio, there are certain requirements that allow the state to consider uh, trying a juvenile as an adult. Generally, those are instances where, as here, you have some heinous circumstances of the allegations of the crime. It's not regular stuff. This isn't car accidents or DUIs or even even drug dealing. No, these are cases where the uh, act is so incredibly vicious and violent and deadly, or the child has a history of violent offenses that allows the juvenile court to then uh, the prosecutor asked for it in juvenile court to review these facts to determine that this person needs to be tried as an adult. It's extremely rare, but here, I think that these allegations uh, certainly support that decision. And is it the, the punishment would be worse or the actual trial would be different? You no, know, the trials aren't different. The trials aren't different. The trials are the same. The standard of proof is the same. The difference is the consequences. So obviously in adult court, the, the sentence for a murder can be anywhere from 25 to life or even death penalty. 
as a juvenile, if she was charged and convicted or wouldn't be convicted if she's, uh, if she's determined uh, to be liable as a juvenile, the most she could serve as a juvenile would be 21 years in a youth facility and possibly sometime then in an adult facility. But once she is tried as an adult, the adult penalties are what apply to that potential uh, outcome. And, and walk us through, in Ohio, would the death penalty be an option here for her? It would. Uh, well, let me say this. Be- because of the United States Supreme Court said that juveniles cannot be um, placed on death row, right. um, I don't believe that she would be eligible for a death penalty specification because of that Supreme Court of the United States uh, determination some time ago. Mm, interesting. All the consequences on the table. This is a this is a life potential sentence. So, and by the way, real quickly, do you think that this is the correct decision being a judge yourself in this state? Well, again, the allegations are vicious. She, the, the motive that she had was that the, this guy's mother, her 33 year old boyfriend's mother was interfering in their relationship. Yep. And so she gave him five hours to kill her when he didn't do it himself. She went in and murdered her and she strangled her, which is a personal and vicious crime. And then the allegation is he bludgeoned her with the rock after she strangled him. Do I think that that justifies that someone get the most severe penalties that maybe if that can be proved as a retired judge, as a former prosecutor, as a lawyer currently? Yeah, I think that that's supported by the Ohio Revised Code. Hey, everybody, this is a Morgan & Morgan legal alert. Evidence shows that Google has allegedly violated the privacy of millions of Americans via incognito mode. Your personal information and data may have been unfairly collected and then used for profit. As America's largest injury law firm, Morgan & Morgan has recovered over $20 billion in compensation for clients, and they may be able to help you fight for justice. If you've used incognito mode in Google's Chrome internet browser, you can find out if you have a claim in only a few clicks by visiting www.forthepeople.com slash lcgoogle. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and find out if you have a claim. The investigators believe that the, the victim here, Nicole, didn't even know that the teen here was living in her son's bedroom. And I want to talk about some of the evidence here. So first, this defendant allegedly confessed to the FBI Now, is that a slam dunk or could her age be a factor in what she told investigators? Yeah, well, of course, anytime there is a confession, there are uh, discerning issues that need to be considered. Um, How long was the interrogation? Did the person consciously understand the consequences of making whatever statement they made to law enforcement? Were they advised of their rights before they made the statement? Were they under pressure? And the, the younger the person or the lower the age, the more those issues are uh, kind of reviewed. But then you also look at what was this person's background before they got there? Did they have a history of understanding the rights because they had prior trouble that they were in? And there's a lot of things to look at, but her age certainly could be one of several factors that are actually you know, considered and looked at when deciding whether or not this confession or this statement that she made to law enforcement is in fact admissible because the question is, was it credible? I'm always interested in knowing why defendants like Ms. Coons would, and here we don't know the full details of what she said, why they would freely give these, this confession. Why give this up to investigators? Sometimes people looking to get attention will say things that aren't actually true. Sometimes, again, they're under pressure 
because they're being told that we have information, so you might as well go ahead and admit whatever happened. Sometimes they admit to things trying to cover up for people that they love. I mean, mm. who knows? Or, or sometimes they confess because they got a guilty conscience and like, you know what? I can't believe I just did that. Let me go ahead and, and, and talk about it so that I can clear my mind and sleep at some point in my life. Great who point. Knows? Great point, because we don't know. We haven't seen the interrogation, right? And we don't know if it was a you know an emotional interrogation where they broke down, like we've seen in so many different kinds of cases. I do think it's interesting what I'm about to raise is Kuhn's attorney's argument. So Kuhn's attorney says her client is actually a victim of Jonathan Jones, the 33-year-old boyfriend, that he wasn't supposed to be in contact with Kuhn's because he had previously been convicted of having an inappropriate relationship with her. He was wearing a GPS monitor. By the way, he is also charged with murder here. So we're sort of seeing the semblance, I guess, of a defense. What does it mean that Coons would be the victim of her older boyfriend when he is not the one who carried out the murder? Apparently, he was in the living room when the killing went down. So what does this maybe defense tell you? Yeah. So, again, what we what we know is there's a 16 year age difference. Um, what we know is that there was some prior issues between the two of them such that he got in trouble for even um, uh, continuing to have contact with her. The question will be, what is his mental capacity? How much is he influenced by her versus how much she is influenced by him? Age does not equate sophistication. Age does not equate with life experience. I mean, what we have is a 17-year-old who I think, you know, I mean, she, she had had a rough life up to this point. I mean, she was living in, in foster care. She was, um, you know, not surrounded, it sounds like, by the, the love and the care that a, a lot of parents do. And so she has certainly, by that history, a suggestion of some, some understanding of how the game and life works. And maybe this guy was sheltered off. That's an argument that you have to raise when you're defendant and when your client is 17, 16, 15 years old and is engaged with someone who is twice her age almost, you have to raise that as an argument that it wasn't her who acted on her own conscience, but was influenced to a significant degree by this much older person who had the um, persuasive authority of influence over her. Yeah, you and, have to make that argument. And look, you know, Coons, you mentioned she was a foster child. She was in the custody of the Stark County Children's Services. She ended up disappearing from the group home, and investigators say that she allegedly sent a text message to a nurse saying that she had killed two people and was on the run. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coons' attorney, though, says that the investigators don't know who sent that text message, which 
makes that's me that's wonder, right. it, it, does it make me wonder, are they trying to put the blame again on Jones, right? Like he was the one who sent it on her behalf. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a defense attorney in the case, you, you got you to gotta put everything out there to create reasonable doubt. I mean, you, you have right. to do that. So, yeah, there'll be a question about who sent the text messages or there'll be a question of what she forced to send a text message. Was he threatening her? Was he, was he, did he tell her, look, I'm going to take you out. You saw me kill you, my mother. I have no problem taking you out if you don't admit that you did this and get me off the hook. I mean, that's going to be all things um, that, that are explored by the defense if they're worth their salt. And obviously they're, you know, they're already putting stuff out there raising the question about the veracity or the credibility of the state's allegations. So there's going to be all kind of uh, information that's, that, that they, that they uh, kind of dig in to see if it can be, uh, uh, if you can get that reasonable doubt in there. And by the way, it, it seemed that when police were contacted after this, this is when they did a welfare check on Nicole Jones and they ultimately found her body. That's my understanding. And, and they were arrested well, Jones was arrested for kidnapping Coons uh, when he and Coons were tracked down in Mexico. And you could say, you know, that's consciousness of guilt. You're fleeing the country because, you know, you committed murder or part of this committing of murder. Um, but the GPS data, I mentioned he had this monitor. Um, the GPS tracking data shows that the two had gone to stores where they purchased a tarp and trash bags to dispose of the body. It also tracks them to a dumpster and an apartment complex where the body was discarded. And it seems that uh, the information that Coons had given to law enforcement about this body and about how she, they, the body was dumped, it was corroborated by the GPS tracking information. So it seems like her story is, is being corroborated by the tracking information on Jones's phone and watch. That's going to be difficult, I imagine, for defense attorneys to try to walk away from. Um, it, it will. But again, the, the, and, and I think it was discarded, but not discovered. I think Correct. that she admitted to go where they dumped the body, but at this point, they don't believe that they're going to actually be able to find the body. Yeah, let me so, just and, and let me amplify that because this was trash was taken to a landfill where, as you know, the body may never be discovered. It might have been destroyed or may never be found. So just that's uh, just to give a little bit more context there. So there's no corpus delecti, you know, that's that movie language. That's, there's no there's no body here, but there are statements, there are witnesses, um, there's certainly evidence of the murder taking place. Um, there's this relationship. I mean, so normally they say you can't convict without a body. I don't think they need that here. But the fact that there was so much interplay between the two of them that is confirmed by GPS monitoring, that's another thing. So, so I, I can imagine that the defense is also going to say, well, wait a second, you can't believe that my guy, when because he's charged as well, you can't believe that my guy was so obtuse, so so dumb that he didn't realize that he was wearing a monitor that the system was using to watch where he was, and then he voluntarily, willingly, or consciously did all this stuff where he was going to be tracked unless he was trying to lead them to her because he was afraid of her. I mean, there's mm. going to be a lot of in this case because That's it's, interesting. it's just so. There was no thought behind, well, there was certainly contemplation behind this murder, but there was no thought behind how this was going to be uh, carried out. They took off to Mexico afterwards, but she called and said, I did this. You got five hours to kill her, but if you don't, I'm going to give you another hour, then I'm going to do it myself. Uh, strangulation and blessing with a rock. You can't get rid of evidence. So, I mean, it, it was so messy. And then he had the GPS on. Somebody's going to say, well, I mean, uh, of course I didn't do this, or I was forced to do this, because who's that dumb? 
to leave that kind of evidence on something that was being contemplated. So it sounds like a potential, each one of them is going to blame the other about who was responsible, who was the mastermind, who was afraid, who was influencing one another. It's a sad case. Really interesting one, though, and uh, we're going to continue to follow it. Uh, Judge Fanon Rocker, thank you so much. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Always great to be on with you. Okay, everybody, that is all we have for you right now here on Sidebar. As always, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.